What is my life about? Wouldn't you want to know that? If you could, if you could hear from God, hey, what happens after I die? So the answer to the question is that, yes, it matters. That's actually the wrong question. The question is, how do we find out then? Because I can't sit down and talk to God. So can I know the truth since, since I don't have this, you know, I can't just meet God at a coffee shop and talk to him and ask him questions? Can I know? Well, I want to talk about four different stories about a book. Not just stories from a book, though they are, but stories about a book. And it starts with a man, a story about a man who actually could sit down with God. And not just ask God questions out into the ether and see what comes back. But as we read in Exodus 33... He would go to the tent of meeting, and a cloud would settle in. All the people would rise up as he went out to it, and he would sit down. And it says in Exodus 33 and verse 11 that this man could talk to God like we would talk to a friend. Of course, we're talking about Moses, the man who could be face-to-face And it says in verse 9, When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And of course, we're talking face-to-face, we're talking metaphorically, this is God is spirit, but it says, When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face-to-face. As a man speaks to his friend. How about that? (laughs) When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So here's what happened. Here's how we know about that. God eventually told this man, who he would speak face to face with, to write a book. And you know where he started? At the beginning of everything. (laughs) As one of my friends likes to quote from The Sound of Music, that's the best place to start. Where's Justin? He he would be with me on this, this idea of quoting The Sound of Music. The beginning. It's a great place to start. And so he told us where we came from, where all of this came from. He told us what life is about. And he went on to tell us more and more about who God is and how to walk with him what he desires. That book, do you think that would be precious? That would be valuable? That book became the, the first five books of the Bible, the book of the law. And then, the book, as precious as it was, started to get forgotten. The book, actually, it's even hard to imagine this, The book was lost. It was lost. Can you imagine if we we didn't have Genesis and Exodus? If we didn't have the greatest commandment in Deuteronomy 6? The book was lost. 
And a thousand years later, almost a thousand years later, a boy king came up. And this boy king, he was put on the throne at the age of eight, and he decides that he wants to serve God. He learned about God the same way a lot of us did. Spiritual people in his life talked to him about God. And this boy's name was Josiah. And this is the second story. We'll call it In the Rubble. If you look over at 2 Kings chapter 22, again, almost a thousand years later, he starts up this project where the temple is, is falling apart. Let's do some restoration work. And you know how it goes whenever you start putting together old things? You know, you're, you're fixing up the garage or you go up to the attic to get something and pretty soon, oh, there's, I just needed a winter coat, but oh, there's my Letterman jacket and oh, I haven't played that guitar in years and there's some macaroni art from the kids and oh, and you find something you never thought you would have found. And that's what happened. As they're working on the temple, Hilkiah the priest finds the book of the law. And what happens when he reads from the book of the law? Well, in 2 Kings chapter 22, as Hilkiah brings it to um, Shaphan, the, the secretary, and the secretary brings it to the king, and the king says for it to be read. In verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Why would you tear your clothes at hearing the, books of the, word of the, the book of the word of the Lord? How great it is to discover it. Well, what's the problem? You didn't know what you didn't know until you read the book. You didn't know that you weren't actually following the way of God until you read the book. And so he hears what should be done. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Akbar, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Asiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of our Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. We haven't been following the book. We've been talking about God, but we haven't been following the book because we haven't been reading the book. You've got to look in it. And so they started what you would call, you might call, here's a, here's a word, a restoration. He started setting things in order the way God had always wanted it to be done. It's not new. It's not a new word from God. It's, okay, let's do things the way God actually said to do them, way back when. Let me illustrate it with an imaginary story, okay? This is, this is a science fiction story, okay? And science fiction stories in previews for movies always start, imagine a world. Imagine a world a thousand years from now, just like Josiah was a thousand years from Moses. A thousand years from now, this is 3,023. And things have gotten dark because the world has lost football. <laughs> there's no, there's no, no Cleveland Browns, Ralph. 
you know, there's no, there's no college football game day, Angel. There's like, what is going on? What are we going to do? There's no Indianapolis Colts or Purdue losing on a Saturday. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Purdue giving it their all. All these, um, these great traditions we have are gone. And then some archaeologists are digging in Canton, Ohio, and there's some busts of people's heads with weird helmets on and shoulder pads. And underneath all of this, they find a book that says, Official NFL Rule Book, Commissioner Roger Goodell. And they decide, hey, you know, whatever we were playing before, Jetpack polo or whatever. We're going to set that aside and we're going to try this, this game, this old game. And so they measure out 100 yards and 10 yards for the end zone and they, they follow all the rules. Could they not restore football exactly as it should be? I mean, it might be purer than it is now, you know. The referees might actually call all the things they're supposed to call because they're just going by the rule book. That's what we're talking about here. That's what Josiah did. Preview, that's what we are trying to do, to restore an ancient order that God was very clear about but that is easy to get dusted over and forgotten as traditions and history and patterns and, and new ideas come about and things change. But the pure way, the purest way, Josiah found, was to just go back to what was in the book. So if you don't have a face-to-face Situation with God, what what do you want to do? Well, look over at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3. Paul says something really interesting in this letter to this church that he knows, this group of people in Ephesus. He says, um, well, let's go back to verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of the view Gentiles. So Paul is in prison because of... Uh, preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. God is giving him a stewardship. And he says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Well, why was it made known to him? Well, if you go back uh, to chapter 2, verse 20, it talks about, uh, just right before this, that all, all of the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being cornerstone. And a prophet, an apostle is someone who's an ambassador, someone who's sent as a representative. And these were apostles were representatives of Christ. And a prophet is someone who speaks God's words. It's it's not all just about predicting. It's about speaking words that are not actually from the prophet, but carry the authority of God. And so Paul is saying, I was made, it was made known to me, the mystery. So if, if I could, what I would love to do, if I can't talk to God, is talk to a prophet. So Josiah was trying to, trying to find out some things 
you know, imagine if you could call 1-800-P-R-O-P-H-E-T, prophet. You know, that'd be great. Just call a prophet, dial a prophet. But wait, Paul says something else. Read the rest of it. So he's a prophet. And he says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. What do you do if you can't ask God or a prophet? You can read the words of the prophets. About 2,000 years of work, maybe 40 different prophets, maybe more, inspired people put together a book that is from God. A guidebook. I know these are these are foundational ideas, right? What we're talking about. And if, for, for many of us, we've thought about this a long time. But that's why this lesson, this series is so important to me personally. Because I feel like the last 30 years of my life or so have been all about, as, as one of my major driving principles, pursuing truth. And, and this series is about how do we pursue and find truth? Because, because it's easy to just give up on it because there's so many different ideas out there. Or it's easy to get confused about how you get to it. And what the Bible is trying to tell us is, here's how you get to it. Who can perceive the insight? Anyone. You can perceive Paul's insight by reading by reading the book. You don't have to have a Harvard Doctorate of Divinity. You can read the book and understand what you need to know. This third story takes us to some searchers. This is many years later. Now we're in, after Christ has come, and in Acts chapter 17... This was very helpful to me when I discovered this, just reading through Acts uh, one day years ago. We have in this chapter three different profiles of listeners. This, that's, this is what the, the story is about. This is what this series is about, is how do we listen? So two questions. One, can you read the book, the right book, and not understand, and get the wrong answers? The answer is yes. Yes, you can. Question number two, how do we give our all to trying to understand it the way God says to understand it? And this chapter helps us to see. Again, this chapter gives us this this profile, these three different groups, the Thessalonians, the Bereans, and the Athenians. And so if you want to imagine, as Paul comes from town to town in these regions, imagine a spectrum of different listening. And on the one side, there's the Thessalonians, and, and just 
imagine an extreme case where someone's answer to everything you try to bring to them is no. Hey, can I teach you? This is like those people up in the, maybe the top left of that diagram, the Gray's matrix that we were studying. Everything is no. I don't want it. Like, like whenever a salesman comes to your door and says, we don't want any. No, thank you. I used to have a business book called The VP of No. Because there are people you deal with that you're just trying to constantly break through. That's who these people are. Everything is no because they know what they have chosen to believe. This is what I've always heard. This is what my dad believed. This is, this is what I'm comfortable with. And so you just settle into that. And these were Jews who had entrenched themselves in a way of understanding, but now there's something that had been long predicted, but that is new, which is the gospel. The Jewish Messiah has come for all the world. And they would not receive it. Paul is taking his own scriptures to them in verse 2. Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and arise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is Christ. And some, some people received it. There were some, especially among the Gentiles there. But the Jews did not want it. And they were jealous and they didn't like it. On the other hand, imagine on this spectrum, some people who every answer is yes. Yes. These are the people, if you, you might know them, I've, I used to work with some folks that seem to think that their religion was that they were like Catholic, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Judeo, you know, Lutheran or something. Like, like I just embrace it all. I just accept it all. It's all true. And so it says that the Athenians were always interested in every new thing. And so they just wanted to hear what was new. And they just sort of embraced everything so much that they didn't really believe anything. And so you have, on the one hand, someone whose mind is completely shut. And on the other hand, someone whose mind is so wide open that they aren't really discerning anything. Are you with me so far, this like spectrum? Okay. So what is the right answer? So on the one hand, there's the Thessalonians, and they're a no. And the, on the other hand, there's the Athenians, and they're such a yes and, until Paul busts out the resurrection and forget it all. It's all crazy. But there's these two extremes, and in between them is the Bereans. The Bereans. That's what we want to be. Be in Berean. That's, that's what we want to, to spend our attention when we get into the word. Because it says, you may have memorized this passage somewhere along the line. In Acts 17, verse 11, they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Actually, it also says that they received what Paul said eagerly. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They were eager to hear it. Now, it is hard to be eager to hear something that is different than what you've always believed. You know, comfort's a big deal in religion. Comfort and, and you know, just what is familiar 
but they were eager to hear it. But they were not gullible. They were not anxious to embrace every new thing. Instead, it says they examined the scriptures daily. This is a word that the Greek word is often translated interrogated. Only they weren't interrogating Paul. They were interrogating the scriptures daily. In other words, they're asking their questions, not of Paul. They're asking their questions of the scriptures. Well, did the Messiah need to die? Well, here it is in Isaiah 53. Did this Messiah need to raise up, you know? And so they're asking questions of the scriptures. So what's between yes and no? Maybe, maybe. But they weren't trying to stay in maybe, right? That was just their posture of, I'm going to see. I want to hear it. I'm eager to hear it. But I want a yes to what God says and a no to what he doesn't. And so I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to listen but I am not going to buy into things. I, 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 stand for, I stand for this. What does the book say? Right? Do you see how that's actually, I mean, maybe it's, it's familiar to you, but do you see how that's actually different than what almost everybody, including many people in the church, do? Do, do you see that? Every time anybody brings something, they're saying, does the word of God say that? And they ask the book. That is refreshing. That is challenging. That is how you listen to God. What does the book say? The the yes... Everything was yes. In Athens, they were guided by the excitement of what's new. You ever know anybody like that? It's just novel is is fun, right? Ah, this is kind of cool. And on the other hand, the Athenians were guided by what's the comfort of what's familiar. Ever know anybody like that? I think I find myself in both of those camps all the time. You know, like, oh, I, I like a new, I'd like to try some, you know, Thai peanut sauce. I haven't had that for a while. Ooh, I like some comfort food. That's just like my mom made it. But in religion, this is not the way we want to make decisions. Whenever you're searching the scriptures daily to see if it's so, you're guided not by what is comfortable, not by what is exciting, but by what God says. And so, Yes, whether you're yes or no, that's all about your preference. But whenever you're searching, there is actually integrity. In the, you, you, you're not trying to find truth in these other extremes. You're trying to find what you like. But when you're searching by the book and you've decided the book is going to be my standard, now... If I like it, if I don't like it, whatever it is, this is what I'm going to stand by. And that has integrity. And so our final story, briefly, is the story of the ride-along. And this is where, in Acts chapter 8, Philip is brought to the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand? 
And the eunuch is having some trouble. You know, Isaiah 53 is one of those passages where once you know about Jesus, it's so obvious. But before you understand the story of Jesus, it's a hard one. It's kind of like, what is he talking about? And so Phil, uh, the eunuch is saying, is he talking about himself? Is he talking about you know, someone else? What is going on? And from that passage, Philip taught to him Jesus. Talk to him, as we talked about this morning, the, the gospel of the kingdom. And along the way, he talked to him about baptism because Philip says, here is water, one hitters me from being baptized. And he baptized him in the name of the Lord. And, and Philip went on his way and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. So he was starting with the book, but there's also this piece of it where we are in community, studying together, just like Paul was speaking to the Thessalonians and the Bereans and the Athenians, and they were checking it by the book. We are studying together. And, and I might not, I might think I have it all figured out, but you might see, you know what, I think you're incorrect on something here. And you show me, and I say, well, what does the book say? And we're moving towards this ideal, right? The reality is we're never going to be all 100% till heaven, We're never going to be all 100% on the same page on every tiny, tiny little detail. But we're moving that way. And the reality is we can understand God's will. And if we can understand it, then we can understand it alike. We're just constantly moving in that direction. And so we say, do you understand what you're reading? I know this is a dated reference, right? This is... Uh, this is from my generation, the 80s, the 90s. There was this show on PBS called The Reading Rainbow. And LeVar Burton would have all these kids um, read books. It was encouraging kids to read. And the song said, take a look. It's in a book. Some of you that grew up with this are going to leave here with that song playing in your head. And that's good because this is the message of the whole sermon. Take a look. How do you know? How do you know? Take a look. It's in a book. And they would have this thing that they would do every time LeVar would talk about one of the books or one of the little kids would talk about one of the books, they would say at the end of it, what, anybody remember? But don't take my word for it. In other words, you read it. Go check it out of your local library. You read it. That's the message. That's what we got to get. Who, who thought LeVar was preaching to us all those years? Take a look. It's in a book. All the truth that you need to know. Don't take my word for it. You have to investigate it. Search the scriptures and see what is so. And so here's the point. You won't get it until you read it. You, we got to go by the book. We don't, we don't go by what we feel, what we, what, what some other standard. We don't go by, um, you know, this just feels right to me or something like that. We go by what's in the book. We listen to what God says. And so I have two challenges for you in closing here. Two challenges. And they're really two questions. And the first, I particularly am directing to younger younger. Christians here? And it's a little bit of a scary question to ask, 
for me and for maybe for the older people here. It's kind of like taking the keys to a fast car and giving them to, to somebody on their 16th birthday. But if I don't give you these keys, then your parents are going to drive you around everywhere for the rest of your life. This is, this is a question you've got to ask. This is a question that has built my faith. I don't know if I would still be a Christian if I didn't ask this question a lot, especially early. What makes me so sure about what I believe? Why do I think I know? Why, why do I believe this? Why do I believe that I need to be baptized? Why do I believe that God loves me? What makes you so sure? I don't ask that to create doubt. I ask it to have you get into the book. Because, because it's, it's not enough to just hear it secondhand. You can have confidence. You can have confidence in the truth of God. You can have confidence in what you believe. If you need to start before the book, if you're not yet convinced that the word of God is true, then you know there's a lot of us here that would love to start there studying with you and show you there is reason to believe Jesus rose from the dead. There is reason to believe this book, this amazing book is true. And then when you get into it, you'll find what you need to guide your whole life. But you've got to make this journey your journey. And so you've got to ask the hard questions that the Bereans were asking. Is this true? My mom believed it was true, but is it true? This is... Our goal is to make disciples, not to, not to indoctrinate robots, but to make disciples. And disciples are those who are learning from Jesus, the truth. And the truth is reliable. Now I'm talking to parents. <laughs> the truth is reliable. The truth stands on its own. I mean, your kids need your, your guidance. And the younger they are, of course, it's, it's different. And they'll need your guidance as you're, they're going through these questions. But it's a journey that is better taken intentionally towards God rather than, you know, a, a drifting or not, not trying to solidify. Okay, the second question is for spiritual leaders here. And when I say that, I'm being intentionally vague because I want you guys to think, this is, this is for fathers here. This is for, you know, maybe you're single and, and you're somebody who has a friend that you can, you can sit down with and, and walk through with. But I, I want to encourage you to ask the question that Philip asked the eunuch. Ask on the way home tonight, do you understand what, what the scriptures were saying, what we were talking about tonight? Ask about what, you, what they're reading. Ask, ask your kids, ask your, ask your wife, ask your spouse, ask, ask the people around you, do you understand? And what you're trying to do is generate a conversation and a space for these dialogues about the truth to happen. And it needs to be safe enough that you can actually talk about it 
and ask hard questions. You know, the Bible is full of faithful people wrestling with hard questions. If we don't don't wrestle with them and we pretend they're not there, then they just keep showing up. But the truth holds up if you bring it to God and you search for the answers. It's It's a journey worth taking. And we get to take it together. We get to take it all, all of us as a family, all of God's people. I hope that, that uh, this series, as we go through it, is encouraging to you. I hope that this, this lesson has encouraged you to get into the Word. If you, like the eunuch, are realizing, I need to be baptized. You know, there's water right up here. I mean, you can't see it, but it's behind that whiteboard. And we've had a lot of people baptized there and saved from their sins. And that could be you tonight, if you're ready. Or if there's some other way we can, we can support you spiritually, if you need to acknowledge a change in your life or, or something like that, we invite you to come forward while we stand and sing.